Well, greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. As always, sponsored by Running Aces Racetrack Casino and Hotel and website AMP. This is our chats edition of the podcast. And tonight, it's our monthly opportunity to chat about the Rec Poker Seminar. Uh, so we are going to do that, tease that out a little bit, give you a little bit of insight, uh, and, and hopefully advance your game uh, through teasing out what's coming up in the seminar uh, at Rec.Poker. Uh, first, let's introduce the panel. My name is Steve Fredland. I go by Rec Poker Steve in the Poker Stars home game. And I want to quote the author, uh, Chris will correct me if I, if I, if I say this wrong, but Iduwu Koyinikon, uh, because I love this quote. Uh, he says, there is immense power when a group of people with similar interests gets together to work toward the same goals. Uh, and I'm Chris Jones, 5x5 five five on Poker Stars and Twitter. And I'm glad Steve pronounced the name and not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jim Reed, and an easy name to remember and pronounce is Blusterini. That's where you can find me in the home game or at Hold'em underscore Steelers on Twitter. And I'm just here to say that if you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, go together. And I am John Somsky. I am Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I have a quote from Al Alvarez. One of the interesting things about poker is that once you let your ego go in, you're done for. Mm. And I'm Rob Washington. I'm Ratman 50 everywhere, except I'm just realizing on ACR, I am just strictly Ratman with no 50. Oh, plot twist. I, so I, feel, like I've been, I feel like I've been uh, <laughs> led astray all of these many been months. deceived all these years? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I thought you were Ratman 50 everywhere. Here we go. He says everywhere. That was the thing. Like I, I saw that on AC. I saw Ratman and you were up near the chip lead of this tournament. And I was like, well, I that's got to be him because he said he was playing in this tournament unless there's like some like weird imposter out there who's got, you know, stole the, the rap man identity or something. <laughs> yeah. We got a watchman stalker. I think that's right. We got a Stan. <laughs> nice. We got a Rob Stan out there. <laughs> nice. Well, a couple of, couple of quick things before we jump into the seminar talk, we'll talk about these more during the, the community happenings area at the end, but uh, we have a big announcement. You guys learn pro poker. Uh, we have an official partnership with them to announce it's a big deal. Uh, stay tuned. We'll chat about it after the seminar. The book study book has been decided. Uh, so later on, we'll hear from the great Rob Washam. We went through the whole um, March Madness style brackets to get there. Uh, and we have one that's been voted on by the people. And then speaking of brackets, Marek Madness. This is the last podcast uh, before this goes live. Uh, every Thursday night, you're going to get a chance to watch on Twitch uh, as the eight eight of us that are part of uh, Rec Poker Nation battle heads up in a bracket style format to eventually get to a winner. So we'll chat more about that, but that's uh, going to be pretty sweet, you guys. Pretty fun stuff. So with that, uh, Jonesy, why don't we why don't we just turn it over to you? You tell us, man, what's going on with the seminar? What's the deal with the Rec Poker <laughs> seminar? Well, I mean, I, so. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I, we've I've really liked about the pro, you know the progression of these seminars is we've really moved from some of the basics to you know like then talking about you know getting value and bluffing and you know some of those kinds of uh, things and I think all of those sort of come into play um, and then the last few are some of my favorites. This is the my favorite kind of style of poker uh, when we are not short stacked. 
and we have an opportunity to play post-flop pots. Um, I think that's one of the biggest areas we uh, can find edges against uh, opponents. I think a lot of players are getting good at uh, figuring out the kinds of hands to open and the kinds of hands to play pre-flop. Most people have a sense of those sort of pre-flop shoving ranges um so in in last month's or this month's uh february seminar we talked a lot about board texture uh and then in the uh, upcoming month we're going to be talking about betting patterns and i think those things come together really nicely um and allow us to talk about how do we approach uh, our play post flop and i think it's an it's an area where um a lot of players uh don't necessarily think about those things as much. So I was really, I thought we had a great conversation around board texture. Um, and that's kind of, you know, I think what we should chat about here a little bit was that conversation. Um, and it, it was great. I, I think it's, it's something that uh, it's kind of endlessly useful. There's so much to think about. Um, and there's, there's a lot of opportunity to improve your game. Uh, as a poker player, if you just kind of understand this one topic, I think. Yeah, and I noticed uh, one thing that people talk a lot about board textures is just the difference between a wet board and a dry board. And I liked how you teased out the differences that are really much more nuanced than that and the difference between uh, a dynamic board and a more fixed board and how they are static and the qualities that go into determining the difference between them. I thought that was that really helped me sort of understand how different ranges are going to react to different boards and the turnouts that are to come. Because I think that was the real part about it um, that, that, I, that I enjoyed. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that I think as, as players, we can um, really start to try to remove the, the language around wet and, and dry out of our thinking, because I think using, um, so to, to sort of to back up the idea between a dynamic and a static board, uh, there's sort of two th- uh, things that sort of we're weighing here. Dynamic and static boards and advantageous versus disadvantageous boards. And the dynamic and static boards are really a, a more of a, um, a concrete way we can evaluate a board and talk about it as, is this board likely to change? Are the, basically, are, are the best hands on the flop likely to change by the river? And if, they're, if they are likely to change, then we've got ourselves a dynamic board. If they are unlikely to change, um, we have a static board. And this can help us make decisions um, about how many streets of value can I get? What kind of approach do I want to take on flops, turns, and rivers? Um, absent, we, it doesn't matter what cards we're holding. The boards, the, the sort of qualities of the boards themselves can really help guide some of our decisions um, and, and help us help us make some of those. So, so, so talk now. Maybe Rob has a question too. But the advantageous versus disadvantage. Yeah, and so the the, sort of the, the, the other side of that yeah. is so like we can describe a board as static or dynamic, but we can also describe a board as advantageous or disadvantageous. And this has a lot to do with understanding ranges and position and stacks. 
Um, so we can understand that, say, um, you know, if we open under the gun and the big blind defends and the board comes two, four, five, that is a disadvantageous board for us under the gun. Um, even though we can still have some of the uh, kinds of, of hands like aces, kings that, that the big blind cannot. Um, there, that board is going to get troublesome for us, especially you know if if we have a, um, a somebody who's defending widely from the big blind, uh, you know. And so, and the more neutral, and then in the middle of all of these things between static and dynamic and advent, I think of them as sort of on a grid, like mm-hmm. sort of the left and right is static and dynamic. The the top and bottom are advantageous and disadvantageous and in the middle of all of that is neutral right and so uh, a board that sort of like could change a bit but not that much you know that might be a neutral board um and we can describe both of those things sort of in 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 the middle that way so that's and if we can start using that language to talk about the boards that we see and you can start practicing this um, you should do this if you can. If you've never done this before, if you start practicing this with every board you see, even boards you're not in a hand, you know who who has the you know who's got the advantage here. Um, what kind of board is this? You, and start to see how people approach those boards, especially really good players. You can learn a ton. You can just it's it's it can change your game entirely. Rob, did you have something there? Okay, so so yeah. what? So yeah, I wasn't sure. Um, I because I'll cut people off, baby. So I want to make sure. Um, and Rob's too nice of a guy to just jump in over me. But so okay, so let's let's get a high level overview too for the folks that uh, you know tease that out a little bit. So why does it matter? So this sounds like an interesting exercise, right? Oh, that's kind of cool. I'm I'm mathematically oriented. I like grids. I can define something as static, neutral, or dynamic, and I can I can you know get to the point where it's advantageous, neutral, or disadvantageous. So what? So give give us kind of the, the high level overview of so I've learned to label these things in this grid format. Of, oh, this is a dynamic disadvantageous. This is neutral static. How is this going to impact my play? Well, now so if we're if we're gonna you know I think there's there's often we're faced and we we started this seminar with a sort of like a baseline question and I'll kind of I'll answer your question with a question. Oh, um, thanks. And yeah, you're right. And I'm gonna three bet you with so, another question. Here's a scenario that I think we might, as poker players, sort of, and this is where we started the seminar, right? Like, well, how do we approach this? What do we do? So I, let's say we're in the cutoff, okay? And uh, we uh, we open two and a half X big blinds and the big blind defends, right? Um, pretty simple scenario. So the pot is about six big blinds and the big blind checks to us. Now you have the option of, you can check, you can bet small or you can bet big, right? Mm-hmm. And if I told you there were three potential flops here, right? One is fairly similar kind of seeming flops. One is the king of spades, the eight of spades, and the three of clubs. The second is the king of spades, the jack of diamonds, and the nine of hearts. And the third is the king of spades, the three of diamonds, and the three of clubs. All of them have the king of spades on them. They're all king high boards. Um, but there's something different about each of these boards, right? Um, and what are we going to do? Like, are you know, are we? Are it, I'm not telling you what your hand is. I'm mm-hmm. telling. I'm asking you: Are we most often checking here? Are we most often 
betting small or are we most often betting big? On which boards are we most often doing these, making these kinds of decisions? And if we can't evaluate these boards, if we're just like, well, they're all king high boards to me, I guess I should see bet because I opened and I more likely have a king. If that's the extent of our thinking, mm-hmm. we're really not doing ourselves a service. We're really, we're really holding ourselves back in terms of how we make these decisions. Um, and so, and then that's where this work comes in. If you can start to describe these boards and understand them, you can start to make decisions about, is this a board that I check behind? Is this a board that I bet small? Is this a board that I bet big? Regardless of whether I'm holding pocket kings on the king high board or I'm holding, you know, jack 10, you know, what, how am I going to approach these boards uh, across the spectrum of my entire range? And that's, that's the power of this. Yeah, it so, feels to me... Sorry, Steve. Nope. I was going to three-bet him. Um, <laughs> I told you I was going to... I told you I was going to re-raise. Um, no, so, I mean, what I'm hearing then is it's both... It both helps me post-flop determine the the action I take as well as the bet sizing. That's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, so it's it, it's a very insightful sort of approach to, to give me insight into both of those. And then whether what I'm hearing is, you know, whether you know all the principles behind it or not, if you just start to practice it, it, it's good practice and probably the principles will emerge, but obviously we want to know the principles of, of why behind it. Go ahead, Jim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's one of those, it's one of those concepts that takes you from being able to apply a general rule to being able to actually understand the nuances around when to deviate from that general rule. So it's one of those things that like, I think as you're, as you evolve as a poker player, you come across these aha moments like for me, it was thinking about the range instead of my hand that I was actually playing in that spot. That was a real aha moment for me. Um, board textures was a, even just board textures wet and dry was a real aha moment for me when I got to saying, should I see bet or not? Now I feel like I'm evolving with this group to the point where now you can get even uh, nittier, grittier about some of those things. And so the question is now you know you can see bet. Um, on a lot of boards like this. So let's go a little deeper and see, okay, so what kind of sizing can we work with? How can we get more nuanced in our strategy? Um, and I think it's really, it really is one of those, it's a it's a layer of strategy that you haven't been thinking about this far. And you can tell how it leads into the next seminar, which is betting lines, because now you've got reasons for making certain bets in certain sizes with certain ranges, uh, ranges on uh, certain boards and things like that. And so I'm really looking forward to uh, to the next one. But but this one really, um, you know, it, it is more complicated than just stack size and position. And knowing how these different ranges interact with different boards, I found that really, really helpful. And there's some good ways to drill stuff around in there, too. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, though, because when I hear that, and I think for a lot of recreational players, uh, I still look at those three flops and I still think wet, dry. So so you, you said you want to kind of move away from those because I can still think wet, dry, and then advantageous, disadvantageous. But what's what's sort of the, what's the shortcoming of kind of just the wet, dry approach? Well, wet and dry uh, sort of suggests something sort of is. Like, and I think that sometimes uh. boards develop and change over the course of a hand, right? And so one of the things that we're trying to identify is, because I think what people see is they say, okay, a board is wet, right? And so, and they think, okay, this is what I have to do on a wet board. But I think that can lead you astray. And like, so 
So another another thing that I think is is you know sort of problematic about the the dry and wet description is if I say to you, um, how about a board like um, seven of diamonds, five of clubs, and three of hearts? Is that wet or dry? Yeah, right. It's 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 wet for the big blind to fend, and it's dry for me as the right as the early. And it's opener, also right. It's I mean I think most people. I mean it's rainbow. It's low. Right. Uh, it's so I think most people would call that dry, mm. but it's also it's on the either neutral to slightly dynamic side of mm. if I have on a seven five three board. I think that's what I said. Mm-hmm. If I have a seven. Right. Or seven, eight. I have top pair, but I'm not that seven is is in a really precarious situation. And so thinking about how much is this board going to change by the river? How much is the quality of my hand going to change by the river Mm. instead of like this is either a, a I think people just think of it, it's too sort of like it is either wet or dry. That's part of the problem is we don't think of it like a spectrum. And I think thinking about it is like, how much is this board going to change is really helpful. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, and you can see how that would apply to defense as well, right? So now if you feel like your opponents are not recognizing board textures and how they uh, affect certain ranges, not only as the seabedder, but as the person facing the seabed, uh, you can now start to make some assumptions about your opponent's play or their holdings based on if you see them make a certain sizing on a board that, you know, you've watched Chris's seminar, you know, that's not the right way. <laughs> then, um, you know, you can start you make a note on that, make a note on that player and take advantage of them. My favorite. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super intrigued by the, this whole, so the grid thing and, and then the, the bed sizing and how it fits in, like, is this something that, is it the same is it the same philosophy or the same, I need to pay just as much attention when I'm short stacked as when I'm deep stacked? Does it just sort of change what you do? Or does this, this idea of thinking about this grid of level of dy- dynamacy and level of advantageousness, if you will, uh, is that something that kind of goes away as you get to a certain stack size? Or Yeah, I mean, the shorter you get, the less, uh, the less post-flop play you're going to have in general. Uh, and the less kinds of things this matters less and less right so um on that same board that 753 board when we have a seven and we're short we're feeling pretty good about getting it in right now right let's go um but uh if we are 110 big blinds deep we're feeling real queasy you know Mm -hmm. like oh i mean and we just got check raised you know we're feeling uh, you know like so that's part of where this this um kind of you know it comes into play okay so then how does um maybe i'm getting ahead of the game too but this this is the the one you're talking about right now is a seminar for february so mm-hmm. if, if you're a rec poker member premium member you have access to this yeah that one's out right i think yeah. yep, it's out right <laughs> yeah, you, you can watch it all you want as many times as you want talk about it with your friends talk about it with jim reed call rob washam i'll give you a cell phone number in a second you know, whatever, um, do all that kind of stuff. And then that leads into this whole betting patterns one. And I, I know maybe that's not the focus of, of our talk tonight, but maybe it's, it's worth at least teasing it because these two are so integrated, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and so the next step of this is really to understand and evaluate. So not only board textures, but the actions that people take around those boards, right? And so I think not enough even really good players think about betting patterns in like just stripping them away from ranges and holdings and all these kinds of things and think about what does it mean when somebody bets on the flop, checks on the turn, bets on the river, you know, those kinds of things. What does it mean when um, somebody checks through uh, on a flop, but then, you know, uh, leads out on the turn, the, the out of position player leads out on the turn, you know, these kind of like common betting patterns are really helpful to just sort of be able to recognize uh, especially the most common ones and understand what it is your opponent is at least trying to tell you and what you are trying to tell your opponent when you mm-hmm. when you make those take those actions um and so that's that's going to be sort of the subject of the that seminar yeah i think i might be looking forward to this one more from the standpoint of using these generalizations about betting lines to diagnose my opponents better um, like I, I really feel like that's a that's an underappreciated study in recreational poker is these common bet lines um, that I think people just kind of fall into, especially with like middle strength hands. I think people get into like really common bet lines with middle strength hands, one pair of hands, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And if you can predict that, that gives you a lot of power on later streets to be able to take it away in a polarized fashion. So I'm, I'm. This is the one I'm most excited for. I think I say that every month, but I'm really excited for this. No, I am. So I'm kind of curious. Like, so <clears throat> when when you're when you're putting this stuff together, when you're looking at okay, this flop, and let's just say you're you're the person in the big blind that defended, and then you see a flop, and so are you sort of now thinking they should be continuing on this flop or they shouldn't be continuing on this flop? Are you kind of, do you sort of have that in your head? Like, boy, in their spot with what happened pre-flop and this flop, they should be quote unquote doing this. So then when they don't do that, it then you have a decision point, right? Like, is it out of strength or out of weakness? And yep. so how does that then correspond to like the betting patterns? Is that, is that part of that? Or is that sort of a different thing? Like, cause what you're yeah, trying to no, do is- it absolutely. They're, they're, yeah. they're hand in hand. Like I, you know, when we look at, what kind of a betting pattern is a strong one versus a weak one, which one caps ranges, which ones, you know, leaves ranges uncapped. Once we can understand those patterns and then put it on top of the idea of, is this board that I'm looking at advantageous or disadvantageous to the big blind? Mm -hmm. So if the big blind is taking a strong action on a, uh, on a board that they have no business really doing that on, that should really start to sort of like raise some bells in your, in your, you know, like when, when things sort of like go outside the expectation of play. Mm. Now, some players are just button clicking and pushing and, you know, like they, people like to get aggressive and the, you know, they just sort of shove. Um, so you can, and, but you can start to identify those players pretty easily. And so like, if you have, so uh, yes, you put all these things on top of each other, uh, and I think it, it can help you make those crucial decisions, especially sort of turn and river decisions, which are the most expensive decisions that mm-hmm. we can make. And, and when I like that phraseology, the expectation of play too, because that is that is part of this deal, right? So it's like saying, well, yeah, they continuation bet. Well, they they should, and I'm going to call there because I should with either my holding or with my range. So everything's just kind of going according to plan, right? And then all of a sudden it goes check, check on the turn. 
you know, with a card that you think they should have bet. And now Mm -hmm. that's sort of the, whether it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Whether this is the idea of exploitative play or if this is the idea of just a variation from the norm. So I think, yeah, because sometimes you play hands, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes you play hands and it's just like, you know, you lost the pop. You're like, oh, just kind of played out the way it's supposed to, Mm -hmm. you know? And you're like, yep, that's what should have happened. But then sometimes it's like, okay, I don't know what to do with that piece of information. And so that's where you're talking about betting patterns, just sort of leading into insights, maybe about a player type or right. something. Right. Right. Yeah. And you can start to see a lot about even hands. You're not in the ways players approach um, the, the patterns that they take, especially, you know, if you get those showdown moments, you can understand now, what did they open with? How did they approach that kind of hand? Uh, when the board got scary, did they, you know, what did they do? How did they approach that? Did they check back on a scary board? Does that mean that we have an opportunity when a board gets scary against this player to take mm-hmm. a sort of a bluffy, aggressive, aggressive action? Because they're, you know, th- these are the kinds of things that you can start to see, especially in those showdown moments. But you can only see that if you first evaluate what the board was Mm -hmm. and second well remember first first remember what happened pre-flop second evaluate what the board is and third replay what the betting actions were you know those three things together can give you a lot about how a player approaches a spot i like that so where did it start to go off the rails from normal whatever the the normal expectation of play Mm -hmm. oh that's very good well uh any questions from folks in the chat make sure you, you put them out there i'm curious like john and rob if, if you're of the place like how either either now or probably you guys have both been playing for quite a while did you go through a phase where you were looking at boards and like intentionally sort of saying you know i'm going to to categorize these boards or did it just sort of through volume of play just sort of emerge just sort of second nature that that's how you think about boards and your bet sizing and your your betting patterns or did you actually go through a phase where you're like consciously asking yourself what kind of board is this well yeah i think as soon as you start thinking in terms of ranges other than your actual hand because when i'm looking at when i first started of course i just looked at like two cards and did they hit the board or not and then i'd make a decision (laughs) or not (laughs) right and so that was very basic but then as you as you go to the next level and you start thinking now in ranges you think, okay, how does my range hit this board? Now you have to start thinking of those that board in terms of static dynamic. You know, is is it is it better for the big blind who called my raise first in, or is it better for me? Which which board is better? And now that I know that, how will it change on the turn? I mean, what types of cards? And how many cards would be advantageous to the big blind now as opposed to me? And that's where you get that dynamic part of the board where, where you can look at it and say, boy, if a six hits this board right now, or let's say if a five, six, eight, or nine hit this board right now, I'm in big trouble. Mm. You know, and there's there's and that's a lot of cards, right? So that's probably when it started happening, is when I started thinking in terms of ranges as opposed to just looking at my two cards. Yeah. And and then also just realizing that play doesn't end after the flop that, you know, you have two more streets to go through <laughs> and, and that's a really important 
consideration and you need to start. I remember I was playing with someone who was real early on in the game and uh, we were actually playing some limit hold'em and it was four bet pre. And I just said, well, you know, as soon as I saw the second race, I didn't want to keep on going all the way to the river. And he said, wow, I can't even think that far ahead. And, you know, he was brand new, smart guy, but just hadn't uh, played much. And so it's really putting all of the pieces together. And that's where the, the dynamic flops come in, in that things are going to change. So you have to be prepared for that change. Yeah, we got a great comment in the chat from uh, Stewie. Uh, Stu or Stuart, I'm not sure what to call him. He's got, uh, but uh, one of my favorite little Canuckian buddies up here um, saying that uh, you can try playing a tournament with cards covered up. And I, I do I do think that's a really good exercise. Um, and yeah. not, I mean, I always encourage people not to look at their cards when they're playing against me in a hand. But <laughs> even outside of that, actually playing in a tournament, cover up the cards. And you, you're allowed to look at them from time to time if you have to like make a big decision. But you'll find that you're, you're naturally now thinking, okay, here's the spot that's presented to me. What would be good cards in this spot? Like, what is the range of good cards I want to have here? What is the range of hands that would have looked nice and shiny and pretty pre-flop, but now on this flop, mm -hmm. they're actually uh, not looking all that attractive after all? You know, and then, and then you get the sense of like, okay, when I look down at my cards, what are the ones I actually want to see there? And that'll reinforce in your mind um, this, this experience of uh, ranging and comparing uh, board textures. So kudos, Stu. I think that's a great call. My my kind of my last question anyway for for Jones and the panel and, and everybody too is is you know I'm I'm always kind of I, I'm not as studious as as all of you are and and I know Mr. Drabeck is out there and he's comparing notes from the different people that we've had and we've we've learned from a lot of people right we've learned from Fareed Jatton, uh, Fox Wallace, Jonathan Little, Matt Berkey, Matt Matros, Ryan Laplante, Andrew Brokus, Chris Jones. I mean we've learned from we're learning from all of these people. You're right in there, Jonesy. Um, you know, but <laughs> if you're watching the video, you know what's happening. Stop talking. Um, but, but no, but my point being, we've learned from a lot of people. That's only a, a few people. But and I was kind of wondering, like, the, in some sometimes there's things that are talked about, and it seems like they're pretty dramatically different. Um, is is this an area, do you feel like, with sort of this idea of recognizing board texture and what our action post-flop should be? to that board texture based on the preflop stuff. Is that a pretty consistent thing or is that something that varies wildly based on the coach and the perspectives? I don't know who's, I don't know who's equipped to best. I mean, what I would say that we, do, so I, I guess I don't, I don't know what those each, those individual Come on, Jones would, uh, would say about that. <laughs> but what, I would, what I would say is that in the seminar, and I think this is where, yeah. um, when, when, uh, Rec players get intimidated by the idea of solvers, right? And mm -hmm. and so, but what we did do in this seminar was we took some specific examples of a static board, a dynamic board, uh, a neutral board. We we looked at sort of situations, and we asked ourselves, okay, how would you approach this? What kinds of hands in your range would you bet big? What kinds of hands in your range would you bet small? What kind of hands in your range would you check back? You know, in that same situation where we've we've been, we're in the we're in position and the big blind has checked to us. You know, what what kind of decisions are we going to make? And then what we did is we 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 actually did do some solves and we looked at, and this is where I think solvers are actually 
uh, useful. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that they're not useful, but I think one of the areas where they're sort of the most useful and I think accessible to sort of um, to anyone really is to start to look at, okay, there's a, a, a very static board, you know, it's ace, deuce, deuce, rainbow. Um, what is my approach to this board and, and uh, across my entire range? And if we can look at that and we can look at what a solver says, well, you're going to bet big with this kind of holding, you're going to bet small with this kind of holding, but you're going to check you know, a, a large portion of your range in this kind of situation. Now, it's not just the ace-deuce-deuce board, but if we can start to identify this is a static board. Okay, static boards you know, have this kind of approach. And if we understand um, how, the, what the solver is telling us to do on those, you know, on like that level uh, between static and dynamic boards, right? If we can just understand that in position, out of position, static and dynamic, suddenly we can start making some really solid decisions about how much of this board should I be checking back? How much of this board should I be set c-betting? What kinds of hands do I c-bet large? And we can, if we can just learn those few things, we can start to have a really solid approach to post-flop play. Um, and that's, I think, I, you know, I, I don't know what all those coaches would say. I don't know if they'd all agree with that. They're smarter than me, but it's, it's pretty, I think it's, to me, this was the moment, like the coin dropped for me in poker was when mm. I, I shifted my gears from trying to understand pre-flop play. I felt like I had a handle on it. I know my push-shove charts, yada, yada, yada. But I always felt muddled post-flop i always felt like uh, i don't know you know i felt like what rob was talking about did i hit <laughs> you know what do i do and this was this was the thing that helped me really start to say like have an approach that i could feel really confident and comfortable in my post-flop play um because i started to understand this and i think it's it's so valuable because you know when when you when you come up through poker learning you, you at first you learn all these big lessons and you can make big differences in your game and so you you see you see big differences in your results but the further you get through the the poker curriculum there aren't any more like big changes to make <laughs> and the difference becomes who's making the better small changes like who's who's optimizing these situations because just like if everyone else just trades around money when they win the big cards uh, the big hands. You're not actually making money in poker just by doing everything in the textbook way. If everyone else at the table is doing things in the textbook way, so um, being able to take these little exploits around sizing and those cusp cases, when to see bet, when not to see bet, how much, um, you know, those are the those are those gray areas around the edges where actually the difference in earnings is made. Um, so I think it's it's just it's a really nuanced, uh, sophisticated lesson. I'm looking forward to applying it further. Good stuff. So I don't see any other questions out there, but so, so check out the seminar. If you're a premium member, check it out, check it out. If you're not a premium member, you know, you can get the first month for five bucks. So use the code rec poker. It's 15 bucks. You get 10 bucks off. Try it for five bucks. If you hate it, <laughs> move on with your day. You're out five bucks. If you really, really hate it, email me. I'll give you the five bucks back. That's fine. 
like whatever, give it a shot. I mean, this stuff is gold. You've heard Chris Jones talk. He leads this thing. There's a group that discusses, but like it's gold. And and you can, I can sense the passion in, in Chris's voice about, about this stuff. And I love that. So I really do want to encourage you guys to check that out uh, for sure. I know the folks that are sitting here in the chat have been crushing my soul in the home games. And I know it. I, and, and I really do believe part of that is the last few months I haven't been able to study. They've been studying and I feel like I can sense that. And I think it makes a big difference. Even if you're just waiting for live poker to open up so you can go back to your buddy's garage uh, and take all their money. These principles are going to help you take all the money and enjoy it way more, right? It's more fun to win. I play for the fun, but at the end of the day, it, does, it is more fun to win, it turns out. So, so I really encourage you guys to do that. If you have any questions, reach out to me, Steve at Rectile Poker. Uh, I will set you up with whatever you need to get, get that account. So guys, anything anything else on the seminar? Otherwise, we'll, we'll shift to uh, the community stuff. Maybe we should let uh, Jonathan Little off the hook here and see if... Yeah. Uh, Speaking okay, of been, one of our experts, go ahead, Jim, whenever you're ready. Exactly. He's been so patient. Have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with ace-king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at pokercoaching.com slash recpoker right now. All right, Jonathan, a great, great friend of the show. He has been from the beginning. Like, I remember like those early episodes, like episode 20 or something. He'd like submit audio. That was kind of what I would do before I'd put a question out for people. And then a bunch of people submit audio and I would just play like the different audio clips. He was doing that. He had no reason to do that. He's a great proponent of the game and uh, appreciate everything that he does. So uh, the community stuff, we're going to shift now the community side of things. Um, normally we go right to the home game stuff. we got some big stuff uh, that we teased out that we need to announce. Uh, the first of which is our partnership with Learn Pro Poker. So this is a, a very exciting day for us. We've been working on this with Ryan for some time, Ryan LaPlante. Uh, he's been another great friend of the show, uh, very generous with his time and his insight. And we've been chatting with them for a while. Um, uh, they're looking to add some community elements to the things that they're doing. Uh, and we're always looking to equip our people as much stuff as we can. And so we were able to figure out uh, a way to make all of that happen. And, and I don't have it right in front of me, Jim, so I might rely on you a little bit. But, but at the end of the day, um, one of the biggest things that's going to happen for people that are premium members already with Poker. Um, is that you are going to get another seminar basically added to your suite of things that you can participate in. So every month we're going to play a piece of the Learn Pro Poker premium content, somewhere between 45 and 90 minutes of their stuff. We'll make that available to our premium members. And then we'll have a study session that month, later that month, around that video. Uh, and so we'll get together with people and we can hang out and chat about what it is that we learned, kind of really just digest it. And, you know, what we found just like with our seminars is the more you talk about it, the more you, you learn from others and wrestle with the ideas, the more you're going to learn. And so that's going to be happening. And the Learn Pro Poker folks, the members who are at Learn Pro Poker are also going to be invited to that study session. So Rec Poker is going to host it. We're going to facilitate it. But all of the Rec Poker premium members and all the Learn Pro Poker premium members are going to be able to be part of that conversation. So we're really excited about that, kind of mix our pools a little bit and, and rub elbows with other people and learn from more and more people. So uh, that is one uh, nice thing about that. Uh, another piece of that is that our premium members 
are going to have access to the Learn Pro Poker Discord channel. So I, I, I should look how many thousands they have out there, but uh, they do the same kind of thing we do where they've got railing, they've got other things going on, but they've, they've got hand history, stuff like that too, that, that you can participate in as well. Uh, so we're still going to have our rec poker uh, discord. We're still going to be doing our virtual railing, like with Chris Jones, uh, making a day three deep run in the Moss, man. Uh, basically right up until we started the recording of this thing. Uh, it was so fun to see all the comments out there. So that's still going to be happening, but you'd have access to, uh, to their stuff as well. Uh, another thing that we're going to be doing is the home games. Uh, you, you guys already know this. You, anybody can join Rec Poker for free and play in our home games. Uh, but Learn Pro Poker is going to encourage their folks, hey, you guys should go do that. You should jump in to the Rec Poker home games as well. So uh, if you guys want to win a pin, um, you better hurry up because we're going to break that 100 mark every every night pretty soon. Um, but don't worry, we're way better than those guys anyway, so it'll be easy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but also with the home game, what we're going to do is we're going to turn the Sunday night uh, regular home game. We're not adding another home game to the schedule for John because uh, we know that John may just quit if that oh, happens. Come on. Oh, I know. You can see, you should have seen his face when we talked about it the first time, though. <laughs> so we are not adding any tournaments. So get that out of your head. We're not adding any tournaments. However, uh, the Sunday night home game, the 8 o'clock Central, sorry, 6 o'clock Pacific time, Rob, um, that tournament is going to be rebranded a little bit. We don't have the exact name, but it's, it's going to be the Learn Pro Poker Sunday night. Rec Poker with Learn Pro Poker, something going on there. What it what it means basically is the tournament's the tournament. Nothing is changing, but uh, the winner is going to get a prize to be determined and to be distributed by Learn Pro Poker. And Ryan Laplante himself is going to try to play in as many of those as he can, uh, and they will also put a prize up as a bounty on Mister Laplante's head. So uh, it's just more fun, right? It's just more fun. Uh, so Jim, what am I missing? Those are I think those are the big ones that I remember. I think you nailed it, boss. We got the uh, the forum is really exciting, or the uh, Discord is really exciting. We're getting, the LPP puts all sorts of great stuff behind their uh, paywall on their Discord. Oh, and I should program. mention too, I cut you off right after, right after you took over, but yeah, I should mention there's going to be a few uh, Rec Poker channels added to the Learn Pro Poker Discord as well. So there's been an opportunity to kind of mix mix it up there a little bit too. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's okay. We'll pull the Somsky on me. Uh, yeah, we're going to do a little cross-pollination of the memberships there uh, on the Discord channel. And then um, on the first day of every month is when this new extended LPP video is going to drop. Andrew uh, Feist, our uh, learning affiliates director, couldn't be here right now for this announcement, but he's been working overtime to pull some good videos together for that. So this comes out on March 2nd. Uh, the first LPP extended video should have come out the day before on March 1st. And then um, if you go to, we are kind of changing some of the groups and forums around Rec Poker over the next couple of weeks. But if you head over there, you'll see a group or a forum about LPP membership and you can sign up for the study group. We're going to have that uh, one of these Saturdays um, on a regular rotation um, so that people can come. And we, we've been really enjoying these study groups with the forum, with the uh, focus, the seminars. We do a hand history one and just sort of like an open Q&A. Um, so we've been getting a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff out of that. So I think this will be a great way to get some LPP members, some rec poker, poker members uh, talking strat. And uh, I'm really excited about yeah, that. Yeah, and, and the video of that discussion uh, will be recorded. It'll be made available. So if you missed the discussion, you can hang out there. And then, yeah, this is dropping March 2nd. So the first... Sunday night is this coming Sunday uh, when you're listening to it uh, for the home game as well. And then um, just, just so you guys know too, we, we keep talking about other things we can do. We're both very anxious to go back to live poker. 
Uh, we're both very anxious to explore opportunities to do things together, whether that's a the rec poker road trip and we we go crash a couple of casinos or we take out take over a casino for the weekend and maybe we layer on some learn pro poker uh, teaching uh, as part of that. We we don't know, but we're we're excited. Uh, we're, we have a very good relationship with those guys, and we're also looking at how can we extend our relationship with Range Trainer Pro. Uh, KL Cleeton leads that. Uh, him and uh, Ryan are very close. They, their businesses do a lot together. So we're looking at ways that we can en- enhance that. So if you guys have any ideas um, you know, on, on what you're looking for, what would help you, what would give you more uh, membership value uh, for your 15 bucks a month, we'd love to hear it. Uh, and we'll do what we can to, to make that happen. So I know it's a, a long announcement, but uh, it's, been a, it's been a while in coming. We've been chomping at the bit and Jim keeps saying, we can't announce it yet. I know, I know, I know. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, but we haven't had, well, now it's official. So now we're good to go. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. So any questions from you guys, panelists, or anything on that? Anybody in the chat, any questions on the LPP stuff? John? I just had one point of clarification. Here we go. So, He's got a smirk if you can't see this. Here we go. Oh, well, yeah. So pulling a Somsky is when you forget to unmute your <laughs> microphone. Okay. <laughs> Getting Somsky uh, is when you get interrupted. interrupted. I thought the same so, thing when he said that. Good yeah. point. So good Reed point. got Somsky. I did. He did yeah. not pull a Somsky. <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> that is a really good distinction, John. It is. I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. Point the of only order. thing that would have made that better is if you had un- forgot to unmute yourself. <laughs> and make that point. I would have, but I don't think you would have understood what I was saying. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's so funny. So that that's it for LPP. So uh, again, reach out if you have any questions on that thing. Uh, it'll sort of roll out over time, but March 1st is our official uh, launch date. Uh, and we're just super excited about it. Uh, they're, they're good people uh, and obviously wizards in the game. And I know, uh, Chris, when you busted the Moss, not to bring that up, but you were like, where, where did you finish? 120th or something? Uh, 128. Out of but yeah, 12, Ryan LaPlante was in the top 10 stacks. Um, so he's, yeah. he's legit. That's what I was going to say. He was right there. I was hoping you guys get to the final table together. But oh, cool. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's pretty cool. Uh, book study, uh, just because it's big news too, Rob, why don't you, well, we'll move you up here in the list a little bit and tell us what's going on with all the the 16 down to one uh, grid that you did. Yeah, we had 16 potential candidates for our, our book study, um, narrowed down to the final one. Got the most votes of the last four was Modern Poker Theory by Michael Acevedo. And looks like uh, Jim is showing it on the video. So anybody watching the video could see the book itself. Nice. We're going to have our first session March 17th. Um, we're in talks with um, Michael's people right now as far as getting him to come on for a Q&A at the end of our um, book study. We don't know how long it's going to take. We know that it's a... Uh, it's going to be a while, Rob. Have you seen this book? Lot, oh, my God. Yeah. There's a lot of information in this book, so I imagine it's going to take us a while. And I got a feeling there's going to be a lot of rabbit holes <laughs> as we go through this. Um, so we got to... Comment in the chat now that COVID will probably be over before we get done with this book study. So, <laughs> well, I was just saying I don't think we'll need to schedule Michael Al- Acevedo till 2022. So <laughs> <laughs> that could be this. Uh, from what I hear, I haven't actually even broken the book open yet, so I I can't 
like I, I don't know for sure, but I uh, I understand it's very intense. Oh no, it's so, a real light read, Rob. Should be no problem. We'll just bring <laughs> but, but right I think through. that's the beautiful part, right, Rob? I think that's kind of your plan is let's take it at the pace that it comes at, right? There's no exactly we don't have to get through X pages every week. It's just let's dig in, let's learn it, right? But exactly. Love that. Let's dig in and learn it. And hopefully everybody that um and again the these book studies are really cool. So all the members can come and we don't just put them in chat. Everybody joins like we do here, like the core team and the podcast. We all join. We all have access and just talk it back and forth. And it's really, really cool. Very interactive for the members to join the book study. I think uh, we've had a lot of fun in the books that we've done so far. And like I say, we've gone through a few rabbit holes and I'm sure we're <laughs> going to go through a few on this one. It's, it's a great way to do it, too, because I know some of our excellent um, involved members like Jack Burke and a couple others, because we've got the forums and the website infrastructure, we can all upload our own study materials. And I like Jack put up a bunch of PDFs of different ranges and stuff. And Rob puts the slides up there so that you can read them in advance. And it's great to have like a forum so that we can exchange ideas because we meet for the book study every two weeks, but you're reading it throughout that time. And I've really... I mean, the reason I voted for this book selfishly is because I can't read this book alone. I need help to get through this book. I need some accountability to stick with it and to work through the problems. And so I think this is just exactly what I needed. I'm really looking forward to this. Love it. Well, it's all about Jim. We know that. So this is perfect. <laughs> and look and start watching Twitter because we're going to have a Twitter contest. We're going to give yeah. away a copy of the book to uh, some somebody. Um, so look at look for Twitter at Rec Poker and at at Ramman 50 between the two of those somewhere, there should be some activity in the next week or so, or actually we won't No, you won't hear this for a week or so. Yeah. Um, but we'll but have a couple we'll weeks. Have some activity. To, yeah. yeah. And so check it out and we will be given a copy away. Sorry. I'm, I'm in a, in a hand right here. So I'm <laughs> kind of distracted. I love it. Is, is it a dynamic? Just shove. Just shove. That's all uh, <laughs> no more decisions. Well, yeah, I just, just won the hand. So it was yes. good. Yes. Nice. Good hand. It was very static. It was 310-10. So it was very static. Ooh. And I had ace eight suited, but then there was a 10 of diamonds out there. So I, I continued and ended up uh, hit, spiking an ace on the turn to make, take it down. So nice. Done. Nice good done. to be Rob, man. It's good to be Rob. All right. So another thing we have coming up too, Marek Madness. Uh, so if this airs on Tuesday, the first or second or whatever day that is, uh, this Thursday is our first twitch.tv slash poker uh, Marek Madness. So if you're just to remind you, eight of us uh, that are involved pretty heavily in, in rec poker uh, were put into brackets uh, by the great Taylor Moss. He put us into brackets uh, and then we played are going to play heads up tournaments uh, and it's going to be commentary on twitch.tv slash poker. Um, and so he's got the schedule all set up. I don't remember all the details, but every Thursday night, there's going to be a couple of heads up matches uh, with commentary. Uh, it should be a blast. Uh, and I think uh, there's the predictions are happening right now. I think there must still be probably still a couple of days left. I assume we can make predictions up till right when it starts. Uh, there, there's a, there's a link out there uh, on the website. Uh, so make your predictions uh, there's prizes. Um, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. It's not, it's unseated, right? It was a random draw. Um, so it's unseated. So don't read into that just because I'm playing Andrew in round one doesn't automatically mean that he's the one seed. <laughs> <laughs> just keep that in mind. 
<laughs> Kim wants to know if she can place a bet on poker shares. No, but there is. If, if you go to the homepage, there's a banner right at the top uh, that leads to rec.poker slash Marek. And you can fill out your uh, your ladder there. And there are some fun prizes. And the, the other thing that I should tell you about, we've talked about all those exciting things that you can do as a premium member. We're giving away a whole year of premium membership at rec.poker. You too can join. Uh, go to rec.poker slash sweepstakes and enter the sweepstakes. We're oh, going to give away yeah. one annual premium membership the whole year. It can be yours. Rec.poker sweepstakes and check that out. Too much going on. All right, Sopsy, let's let's go to you, man. I mean, you've just been chomping at the bit to tell us about the home games, right? Surely we're out of things I, to interrupt you over now, right? I can't imagine what you'll find. Something <laughs> there. Should have waited. Yeah, a little bit. I should. You should have let me start it before you <laughs> interrupted me. Otherwise, it doesn't really count. Okay, so uh, this week started off. We had uh, Kim Kilroy, Fergie, fifty-six, still hey. on a tear. Got oh, her right. third daily series victory mm. of the year. And I remember at the beginning, she got her first victory in the daily series. And I was surprised it was her first, but yep. she is making up for lost time, obviously, now. Kim, Kim, we'll get you that pin in the mail just as soon as we're finished this book study, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Night, Night Owl, Chris, Night Owl, uh, Chris Ruim, 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 got his first daily series victory. NYR, that's New Yorker in North Carolina, John Fraley, got his first daily series victory. Then we had a back-to-back mm. victory for Sarah Hansen. She got her second and third daily series victory of this year in nice. back-to-back days. Oh, Amazing. Wow. That's impressive. It is. Yeah. That's very impressive. Yeah, that's not We're not talking about the international stuff that Drabeck does. I mean, we're not- <laughs> right. <laughs> we're These talking about legitimate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doug's, Doug's in the chat. That's awesome. <laughs> So then uh, Elvis 76, Steve Kreps got his third Daily Series victory. Of He's the on a roll, too. Thank you very much. And Gopher Boy TJM, Taylor Moss, won our No Limit, or our Pot Limit Omaha tournament. <laughs> practice. <Nick laughs> practice. Practice. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Nick Series practice. Yeah. Convinkly, uh, Eric Jin got yeah. won one of the International Series or tournaments. Nice. And uh, Magra 44, Doug Drabeck won the other international. The tournament. one and only. Well done. And <laughs> finally, John Lutze got John! his second daily series victory for the year. John Lutze, we've missed you, man. I'm glad to see you're back in the winner's circle. And John, am I reading that right? Is that Drabeck's 11th overall win for the since we started this thing? Is that what that is? How many That's 11 in international. It's international, right? Like oh my one god! Eleven international he just, tournaments. He owns that international series. I know. It's, it's just it, it's just insane. Well, I know he was trying to bribe me. He wanted me to convert all of them to international. <laughs> no, there's a reason for this. Do we We're not going to make them so, like, all international. You actually can't be an American player to get credit to win. Can we just like? Oh, I like that. I like that. Yes. Only the pins. The pins and invites only totally count. Non-invitationals. Unreal. I mean, the field is smaller, but there's still like twenty. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's still hard to win. It's not you don't you don't just you know. It's impressive. Right. This is like, it really is. 
this is the kind of territory where I mean it's not like a silver pin asterisk tournament where if you guys want a sil- if you guys want a silver pin because of an asterisk would you be wearing it on the front of your hat? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I might put like it on the Jim back does. or something. Yeah. I mean, I'd be like kind of hiding it. Like, yeah. Oh, no. Front and center. I think as long as I shout the asterisk from the rooftops, <laughs> I can still wear the pin front and center. I, as long as it's not, I'm not like hiding the asterisk. That's the kind of stuff I don't like to get around with. It's so funny. Well, you know, eventually someday we'll get around to tell, telling you about how we rigged the tournament to make sure you were going to win it. Make it a true asterisk. But we won't break it. We won't tell you that right now. That would do it. That That'll would do wait it. for later. <laughs> well, good stuff as always, John. Anything else on the home games that we should be aware of? Anything big coming up that... Uh, that what we should be thinking about. I guess we'll have no, our... every... go ahead. Sorry. Everything's looking good. We're going to keep on uh, going here and I'm still working for that mythical stat yeah. site that will be coming. It's so I'm so making excited. good progress on it, but it's still so going to be a while before it's unveiled. But even what you've done, I mean, you've, you've, and people don't see all the stuff that you've done. Uh, I have access to, to some of the stats too. So it's so nice if somebody asked me a question and be able to go quick, look it up or whatever. And just to be clear, maybe, maybe just to clarify, cause a question came in this week, so Poker Stars does their own sort of stats tracking kind of thing, but I know people have you know not sure about that. So just to be clear, that what you're doing is not what Poker Stars is doing. It's you're taking Correct. all the data and running your own sort of report. Correct. So we're we're sure that it's going to be good. So Poker Stars automatically will keep track. They do a a monthly series or whatever, and it just all of the games that we play go into that, and then it has a points formula to figure that out so it'll only remember how many wins you had for the current month and then it resets every month so you can use that to see how your month is going but as far as the actual how you're going to wreck poker you have to look at our stats for that yeah and john keeps tweaking the formula so that he comes out on top so he keeps sort of now he added like a couple square roots to something so that now He's higher up in the ranking, so I'm not really sure what he's doing, but it's... Well, yeah, basically, it the closer your name is to Somsky, the more points you get for every play. <laughs> so. If you win on, like, the fourth Wednesday of the second month, you get more points yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. Whatever we're well, good stuff, John. Thank, thanks for everything there. And I know when this airs, it's going to be the day before the first Wednesday of the month, the big Hold'em tournament, and then the second Wednesday is the mixed game. Those are the kind of the big ones. The first yep. and second Wednesday of the month are the ones that count toward player of the year uh, directly. So, so well, in our last uh, Nolan Hold'em series, we got 91 players. So yeah. I'm looking to break that record coming up here in March. That's right, 91. Woo, sweet. And then people yeah, are we'll like, see. Oh, we need we to should t- start taking bets on when we break the 100. Mm, I think it's cool. Because that's going to happen this year. I think it's going to be this one. I think it's going to be this one. Do you? I, think it'll be I, I don't know. Be. I think it'll be April. April. April's probably April. safer. I'll go with the March. The March first. Chris is taking okay. the under. <laughs> uh, <go on> April. <laughs> because I think then we get the LPP thing, and I think that's yeah. just going to yeah. But if we can get him to do it, if we do it in March, that would be amazing. We'll see. All right. So, so Jim's making us wrap it up. He doesn't like us to have too much fun. But anything else, guys? Too much for, fun. Too for much the good fun. of the order. Anything else uh, that we need to share? Either folks in the chat, Rob, John, anybody? We're good to go. All right. Very good. Okay. So let's wrap it up there. Uh, Jim, why don't you go ahead and uh, just go ahead and play the music. Uh, We'll just thank everybody there. Thanks for the panel, Running Aces, Casino Racetrack, and Hotel. Uh, And we'll catch you all next week, man. Have a blast on and off the felt. Thanks.